Welcome to the first edition of the Full Court Press podcast presented to you by the Stony Brook Press. I'm one of your hosts, Wilco Martinez, joined here by my good friend, my co-host from last semester, Daniel Marcillo. Daniel, how's it going? Going pretty well. Introduced the other two members to the team today. We have two new additions to the team. James Vowen. Hey. Anthony Leon. How's it going? Going pretty well, man. Um, So basically... As you guys know, we had the Martinez Marcelo podcast last semester. Mm-hmm. We wanted to expand that and make it a little bit better. So now we have the full court press. Um, this will just be a podcast where we talk about sports, what's going on in sports right now, breaking down games, breaking down predictions, and that whole deal. So I think we should just get right into it with a little bit of NFL action. We've got some good games coming up this weekend. Yes, sir. Let's open it up here with, uh, let's see what we got on tap. What's the Thursday night game tonight? We got the LA Rams taking on the Seattle Seahawks tonight. I think this should be a good game. Yeah, I think uh, so too. Two two very strong teams, I think, offensively. Um, I think the Rams, I like. <clears throat> Jared Goff still has the advantage over Russell Wilson tonight. but um, he's, uh, he's been struggling a little bit lately. He has been struggling. I mean, he put up, I think, what is it, two weeks ago, he put up a really good week. Yeah. And then last week was, wasn't great, but it got by. But um, I think it could be another offensive onslaught from both teams tonight. I mean, I would actually tend to disagree. I think it would be more of a defensive battle, especially because the game is taking place in Seattle with the crowd noise. Um, I think Jared Goff might not have his greatest game. I think Russell, look for Russell Wilson to continue his MVP-like performance this season. I'm I'm interested in seeing how Goff will do. Um, you know, he's in a bit of a rough patch right now. He's um, you know, been criticized a little bit by LA media. And but he usually, you know, rises up to the occasion in primetime games. So, I want to see how he does tonight. Um, I think the Seahawks are going to take this, but it should be a fun one. Yeah, and I'm going to take the Rams on the road. You guys? Give me Seattle here. Um, I think Russell Wilson finally throws his first pick of the season tonight, but think Seattle at home, very quality team. And sorry, I'm trying to swallow my cookie here. But um, Seattle, I think it's going to be a back and forth throughout the night, but I think this game is going to be settled by a touchdown. All right, moving on to the next game, the New York Jets taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. The Jets 0-3 right now, the Eagles 2-2. Um, Sam Darnold's health is a concern. <clears throat> Yeah, and I hope yeah. be back for do, this game. Do we even have to talk about this one? This is this game. Like this already is an irrelevant, irrelevant game. I mean, it should be an obvious. Like, um, winner, I mean, I yeah, like. I think the Eagles will win for sure. I think so too. Yeah, and I don't think I think they'd be pretty dumb to just rush Darnold back so quickly, considering it's only his second year. They're already zero and three, so they need to pretty much go close to running the table yep. in order to make the playoffs. So, um, I mean, yeah, but I don't think it'll happen. Way. Yeah, yeah Eagle, Eagles Eagles, pretty much going to take this one with ease. I agree. Um, their defense is something to watch out for in coming weeks, I feel like. It hasn't been great so far this season, but I don't think the Jets should really yeah. um, put up much of a problem. Yeah, and Jordan Howard's been, you know, really good for them, too. He had a couple, you know, not bad seasons with the Bears, but he's kind of below expectations. So, I mean, uh, you know, they can do it. Carson Wentz has been good this season, um, but... Jordan Howard's been really helpful in providing a balanced offensive attack. Yeah, especially with Alshon Jeffrey coming back last week, I think we should look toward Carson Wentz throwing the ball to him and Zach Ertz along with the other weapons that are available, like Deshaun Jackson. So I think mm-hmm. it will be an offensive onslaught from the Eagles. All right, up next, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars taking on the Carolina Panthers. I think this is a little bit of an interesting game. Um, both teams have their own kind of narratives, I guess, going into it. 
you know, Carolina with Cam Newton out and, you know, with the Jags, um, Leonard Fournette, I think he's really beginning to live up to his high billing in the draft. Yeah, um, definitely, few, yeah. definitely. And uh, Gardner Mishnu has been pretty, pretty, pretty he's good, too. Good, yeah. You know, he, he kind of flew under the radar a little bit and then just snuck up on you. But same thing for Kyle Allen. He's really done a good job of filling in in Cam Newton's spot as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think I'm going to take the Jack, the Jacksonville Jaguars here. Um, I think Leonard Fournette's going to have another great game. He had a career-high 225 yards the other day. Um, I want to say he took on Denver the other day in the comeback win. Yeah, it was Denver. So I think he's going to really um, continue his momentum here. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Panthers. I think at home the crowd will definitely play a factor. I think Luke Keekley will have a great game. Look, him, look for him to be involved defensively. And I think this might be the end of Minshew Mania. Well, it'll definitely be interesting to see how long he can keep this up. Um, you know, he may even just have a good game, but the Jacksonville defense might not even be enough to contain what uh, the Panthers have. But um, we'll move on to uh, two winless teams, the Cardinals and the Bengals. Two oh and th- I think it's 0-3-1 and one for the Cardinals. Yeah, with the tie in Detroit. For the Bengals. Um, you know, it's it's – guy who's on his way up in Kyler Murray and a guy who might be on his way out in Andy Dalton. Um, two winless teams. You know, I think uh, the Cardinals are going to take this one on the road. Um, I think the Cardinals will take it too. Um, how do you guys feel about how Kyler Murray's done so far? I think so far Kyler Murray has definitely played out to expectations. I mean, he, uh, he could be a little bit better because the Cardinals are winless right now. But I do think overall Kyler Murray has played very well, he's considering well. Yeah, that he's, he's still a rookie. Yeah, a rookie, he's going to have his ups and downs. He's going to take his bumps, though, but you're seeing glimpses of why he was a number one pick. Yep. All right, we'll go to next one here. Atlanta and the Houston Texans. Um, two, I would say, underachieving teams at, through uh, the first four games of the season. Um, but I think two quality quarterbacks are going to take on each other. I think Houston gets back to uh, – that's one game closer, excuse me, to the 500 mark on the road today on on the road on Sunday. Yeah, I um I have Houston picking up the win here too. I think their defense has definitely um been good this season. It's definitely something that we should keep looking out for. Um, Deshaun Watson has done well, so I, I expect them to pick up the win. Yeah, it looks DeAndre Hopkins to having a big game going with the Texans as well. All right, here we go Bucks and Saints. Uh, another interesting game by two NFC South teams. This is definitely a big game for playoff implications as uh, the Saints are just one game in front of the win column in front of Tampa Bay. Uh, they've been surviving with Drew Brees on the sidelines, um, and I think they're going to continue to do so this week With even though they're, you know, you think it's going to die out their little run that they have going on, but it's going to keep just keep on chugging. Yeah, I think, though, the game will be close because with the revamped Bucks offense with Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, but also their defense that's looked really well over looked really well over the past four games, um, especially with Shaq Barrett being a defensive MVP candidate. But I'm still going to go with the Saints because I think they're pretty untouchable at home. I'm actually going to go with the Bucks, causing a little bit of an upset. I think uh, Jameis Winston is going to have a big game. So, but this should be a fun one. I mean, I like to see the Bucks take it just for competitiveness in the yeah. division. Um, but again, that's another big game to watch. You got yep. also hometown game, Minnesota taking on the New York Giants. Daniel Jones with uh, he's been he's pulled off some magic the last couple of weeks. So uh, and f- somehow the Giants have a chance to get over five hundred. I think they'll do it against a very very strong Vikings defense. I think they'll still do it. Somehow Saquon Barkley is alive and he's not still not called out for 
or Sunday's game. So it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens through the next couple of days. Yeah, um, before I get into my actual prediction for the game, I do think Barkley, I, th- I think he's going to miss the game. Um, yeah, I think so too. You know, I think he was supposed to be out for something like yeah. eight weeks or something like that. Well, um, he, he's an animal. Given the nature of his injury. But as you said, he's yeah. an animal. Um, I saw a video of him just a few minutes ago. He was already looking nimble, looking pretty yeah. agile. They're, they're definitely not going to rush him back, though, because playing with a high ankle sprain is – you can't play running back with a high ankle sprain. Definitely not. And if it's not 100%, they're going to be sure to take care of their prize young young running back. But um, I have the Vikings winning. I actually don't think the Giants will have enough um, to overcome their defense. Yeah, I agree. I think Minnesota's offense, which has been sluggish over the past week or so, I think they'll get back on their feet. I think Kirk Cousins will have a big game. Give me the Vikings. All right, we'll go to Bears against the Raiders. Raiders somehow also a 2-2 two and two football team, um, but the Chicago Bears have been playing real good. Mitchell Trubisky has been kind of lying in the weeds. He's not hasn't really broken out yet. Yeah, I think Trubisky, though, is out for this game, so it'll yeah, be so, Chase Daniel. So, uh, oh, yeah, f- good, good pick up there. But um, the Bears, I, I mean, even with Chase Daniel in there, I think their defense is going to be enough to stop. You know, the, the Raiders have had a very poor passing game anyway, so I think will be enough to uh, slow down the Raiders and pull off a nice win on the road. Yeah, I think the Bears' defense will definitely swallow up Daniel, uh, Daniel David Carr in the isn't uh, isn't this game? I was gonna say I thought there was a game that was going on oh, in Derek England, Carr. England this week, but yeah, I think it's in London. Think, yeah. that's is that this game? Is that this? Game? Yeah, I think so. Uh, let me see. Yeah, this is at uh, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. So that's that. It's still a one o'clock start over here, um, but. What is, what is that, like a 9 a.m. start um, over there? Yeah, I think early like morning. Right, it's yeah, like early an early morning, morning start. Yeah, so. it's an early morning start. Uh, and they're and the Raiders are coming off of not having uh, Vontae's bursit. There he's out for the season as well. Mm-hmm. All right, so yes, suspensions. Uh, yep. AFC North game here, Baltimore Ravens against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Two teams that used to be on top of this division. Now they're battling for really the bottom now. Um, yep. I think. The Ravens pull off a nice win on the road. A lot of road wins, I think. I'm gonna we're gonna see this week. They I go think, to three and two over yeah, the, the I Steelers. Mean, I have the Ravens taking it as well. I think we have to talk about Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. for a minute. Um, I've been very impressed to how he's uh, kicked off the season here. Yeah, I agree. I think his passing attack compared to last season was definitely much improved. I'm going with the Ravens as well. I don't think Mason Rudolph, who's now the starting quarterback, yeah. I don't think he'll have a good game against that no, Ravens defense. I don't, I don't think, think so either. So. Uh, Bills Titans. Uh, the Bills kind of got screwed over last week um, in that loss to the New England Patriots, but they played them very tough. And, I, you know, they're surprising a lot of people, and I think they go to 4-1 and one and continue to keep pace with the New England Patriots. I got Buffalo here. Yeah, I'm actually going to go with Tennessee. I think without um, Josh Allen starting this game, I think the offense will struggle. I think their defense will definitely play a part. So I think it would be a low-scoring game. Yeah. I think Marcus Mariota will pull it out. And, uh, you know, I think uh, the running backs are going to play very huge here, too, because now that you don't have your starting QB in the game, the old man, the veteran, Frank Gore, really stepped up last week here at over 100 yards. I think we're going to see another big game from the veteran as well. Yeah, him versus Derrick Henry yep. for the Titans. Mm-hmm. Uh. This game, you might as well call it a, the varsity against the JV as the Patriots take on the Washington Redskins. And what will probably be Jay Gruden's last game at the helm in uh, in Washington. It should be Patriots by, let me see what the spread is even. Patriots are favored by 15 and a half. I think it's even more, think more it's than over that. that. Over yeah, I think over Patriots, that. no question. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Broncos Chargers, nice little West Coast game we got. Um Chargers, you know, they're, it says they're in third place, but, again, it's a very competitive, competitive uh, AFC West division. 
Um, and the Broncos really don't have much to offer. I think the I think the combination of Phillip Rivers and Allen are just going to blow out the, the Denver Broncos this week. Yeah, and I think with Melvin Gordon coming back from his contract holder, I think we'll just add more to their offense, so I'm going with the Chargers. Yeah, him and him and Eckler are gonna do some damage. Yeah, uh, this one, this one's a good game. I, I wish this one would be the primetime one, but yeah, the Packers against the Cowboys. Uh, both teams playing very well, and I think the Cowboys are gonna roll over the the Packers here. I think it's gonna be close, probably decided by a field goal, maybe even less than that, maybe a one point difference. But I think it's gonna be very competitive. This could be a NFC divisional matchup. Yeah, it could definitely future. have playoff implications. Yep. I got the Packers here. Um, I think that they're going to have enough to pull out the win. Yeah, I'm going to go with Green Bay as well. I think look for Aaron Rodgers to make a last-second play to win the game. It's it's one of a close one, though. One of those games where you flip a coin, you can't really be wrong. It's not like you're saying, I think the Redskins are going to beat the Patriots. Yeah, exactly. Uh, The primetime game, the Indianapolis Colts against the 4-0 Chiefs. Uh, Colts, again, they're just riding it out. They've done pretty well without having Andrew Luck. Due to retirement, yeah. Jacoby Brissett has been... Playing very well, but uh, how, how do you beat this Chiefs team? It just seems like they're impossible to touch at this point. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes playing like the MVP was last season. Yeah. So I, I think the Chiefs are going to take it by uh, about 10 to 12, I think, is what that final is going to be around there. Yeah, the Chiefs should take this. Um, look for Patrick Mahomes to have a big game. You know, all the eyes will be on him once again, mm-hmm. and I expect him to deliver. Yeah, I think the Chiefs will win as well, but also keep in mind of, of the running game as yeah. well. Yep. And Monday Night Football features a matchup between the Browns and the 49ers, the 3-0 and 49ers. Uh, so uh, it's interesting. These two teams, you think their records would be flipped. The Browns are 2-2, two and two, Niners 3-0. and oh. You think they would be flipped at this point in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know what? I love the way they're playing, I, and I believe that this is a team that can actually make a run. So I'm going to say they go to 4-0 and oh this week. Why not? But it's going to be close, just like the other games we just talked about. Yeah, and I'm going to go actually with the Browns on the road. I think their offense, I think they figured it out. I think the 49ers will get their first loss of the season coming off a of bye. Baker uh, Baker looked really good last week. Right yeah, I agree. That's actually was I was just going to touch on that. Um, Baker Mayfield looked very good last week. And as Daniel said, you would expect these two teams to be flipped. I think that this is actually going to be the case. I think the Browns are going to take it. Well, it's definitely going to be a good game. I would have I would have. Sw- would have liked to swap maybe uh, Green Bay and Dallas with that for the Monday night, but uh, another this is the midpoint of the season. You're going to see who the contenders and the pretenders really are yeah, at this exactly. point in the season. All right, now moving on to a little bit of MLB. Daniel, I understand there was some big news earlier today. Well, the Mets uh, decided to part ways with their manager of the last two seasons, Mickey Calloway. Uh, about time, really. I think uh, throughout this whole season, the walls were sort of collapsing on him. And it was finally time to make a move. Uh, I loved the way – I loved his energy. I can't knock him for that. His players loved playing for him. But, geez, the baseball decisions, the in-game decisions were just not not, not there for, uh, for a manager that's got to be in New York. I mean, did he make any good roster moves while he was there? Well, the, Edwin Diaz was a closer they brought in, high-profile guy. They traded their top prospect for this kid, and he just – he was good in April, and then as the season went on, he just was nowhere near the all-star he was last year. And I think they lasted with him too long. I think Callaway just didn't have a good grasp of how to manage in the National League. He didn't. He sa- he would say things and then not actually implement them when the games came around. 
So I just think it was time for him to go. I think they need to get an experienced manager who knows how to handle uh, these veterans, combination of the veterans and the young guys. Because this is a playoff roster, and they showed that in the second half. And, I mean, you were even telling me earlier that you felt this should have happened at an earlier moment when there was a GM move. Well, yeah, when they fought, when Alderson left or got fired at the same time um, after last season, they once Van Wagner came in, the new manager, I would have just fired Callaway too, brought in a whole new system, went in and went and got a new whole regime in there. And I understand that maybe Van Wagner wanted to build the team up Get some new, get Cano, get Diaz, get Ramos, a bunch with along with the other guys, and see if he can manage a playoff team. But it just it just didn't work. And he, by like mid May, they were already calling for his job. So I think it was inevitable that it happened at this point. Okay, so I also know that the divisional playoffs are supposed to start today. What are your thoughts about the teams that are still left in the race? Well, I, I think it's going to be a very competitive postseason. I think, especially in the National League, there's a lot of parity. I think every team is, even the Dodgers, the, every team is beatable, very beatable. It's not like the last couple of years where you the Dodgers were looked at as this team is far beyond better than everyone around here. But I think uh, St. Louis and the Braves, I think that series goes four games in favor of the Braves. And Dodgers-Nationals, I think the Dodgers are going to take it in three. It's going to be a three-game sweep. Any major upsets in your opinion? Uh, to me, the only upset I could see happening, because I, oh, I look at all the series in National League and American League, I have all the favorites winning. Okay. But I think the one that's most likely, I think, is the Cardinals beating the Braves in their series. I think... Both teams are very evenly matched. I think the starting pitching is about the same. And the only advantage that the Braves have, because they're equal everywhere else, is the Braves just have a ton of hitting. They're probably the second-best hitting lineup in the National League. So what do you also think about the Yankees and the Twins series? That's supposed to start tomorrow, I believe. That series is going to be a bloodbath of home runs and just offense, offense, and more offense. Uh I think the Yankees are going to come away winning, but I wouldn't be surprised if this series goes five games just because these teams just hit the crap out of the ball through every single game. I think the team that can get two solid starts are going to win the series, and if they can get them in the first two games, I think they win the series in three or four games. Yeah, moving to the other American League series between the Astros and I want to say the Rays. Rays. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that? Uh, Houston, I think, is going to take the series pretty handily. But it was weird because during the regular season, the Astros won the season series. Okay. But the Rays outscored them 40-27. to 27. So it's going to be interesting. I, th I just think it's impossible for the Rays to compete with the rotation and the lineup they have and win that series. But it can very easily surprise everybody because they're a scrappy team and they use the analytics to a T. And same thing with Houston, but I think Houston's going to win this in three games. Yeah, just pure roster talent. Yeah. Um, now, the last series that is on tap is between the Nationals and the Dodgers. Do you think the Nationals have any shot at taking a few games in the series? I, I don't think so. They got real lucky in beating the Milwaukee Brewers. They, they, they should have tied the game. They shouldn't have taken the lead at that point because of the error that was made by, the, by Grisham in the right field for the Brewers. Um, but I think if for the Nationals to win this series, they need to treat game one like it's win or go home. You can't lose a game uh, Strasburg pitches. And then if you win that game, you got to treat game two the same way. Because if you lose either of those two games, 
you probably have no shot to win the series because you don't have a starter as good as Strasburg or Scherzer pitching again in that series. Yeah, exactly. I think every game needs to be treated like a game five. Mm-hmm. All right, now moving on to a bit of Champions League action. I know we had a very interesting um, week in European football. Um, let's go, James. I know you're a big soccer fan. Of course. Um, let's talk, you know, a minute per game. I got three games I want to talk about. I got three games that I picked out. So let's sure. just talk a little bit about them. Um, first up, Real Madrid 2-2 with Club Bruges at home. What are your takes on that game? All right, I think that this game exposed Zidane tactically because this was the first time that uh, he'd conceded in the past three games against Sevilla. They won one away, one nil away. Uh, against Osasuna, 2-0 win with their youngsters, Vinicius Jr. and Rodrigo. And uh, I don't remember the last game, but they had gone three without conceding. And then two goals conceded in the first 45 minutes. They bring off their goalkeeper, Courtois, and they bring on Ariola. And they needed an offside goal from Ramos and an 85-minute goal from Casemiro to bring it back level at home against Club Bruges. Not an impressive performance. Uh, I don't know if the next game you were talking about was Bayern Munich versus Tottenham. I mean, yeah, I was going to talk about that game, but just before we get into it a little bit, I mean, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think this is the first time Zidane has been exposed tactically. I feel like that's never been his strong suit. Um, he's always been much more of a man manager who can, you know, motivate the players and get them to believe in his ideas. But in terms of style of play, in terms of using analytics, um, you know, different tactical tweaks, I feel like that's never been his strong suit. And I think that now with an aging squad and um, just with less difference makers in the team, he's really beginning to see like the effects of that and how he can't just rely on what he did um, two or three years ago. I absolutely agree, but you got to recognize that Ramos wasn't in the game against PSG. And in this game, he had no excuses. It was inferior opposition at home, and he could not beat them, even though they had 27 shots, nine on target. No, I agree. And if anything, I, s- I think that Ramos, um, once again, he, exem- he exemplifies what's going on with Real Madrid. Um, he's aging. He's no longer making the same decisions he used to. He can't rely on his own physical power anymore to um, get rid of mistakes that he's made in the game. So I, I think it should be interesting. Um, you know, Zidane, he's been under a bit of pressure. Um, Real Madrid top of La Liga right now, but I'm not, sure, group. I'm not sure how long that's going to go for. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. But up next, as you mentioned, Bayern Munich um, defeating Tottenham at Wembley, 7-2. to two. What did you think of this game? All right, this game at one point was 4-1. Uh, Tottenham bring it back from a phantom penalty, which in my opinion was just you know physical contact at most. But then in the last five minutes, they switched off, which they tend to do. And Bayern Munich are ruthless. But don't get me wrong. Bayern Munich in the last five games of the Bundesliga, or the first five games, haven't won decisively. They won 4-0, but those games have been tight. They won against a recently promoted side 3-2, where they were 3-0 up, and they conceded two goals. So this is an impressive performance from Bayern Munich, but more of a scary sign for Tottenham Hotspur, who were at home in their new stadium. And they're the runners up from last season. I don't think they'll be reaching anywhere near the heights that they did last year. I agree with you. Um, I, d- I definitely don't think they're going to reach the final again. I do think we're starting to see the beginning of the end for this version of Tottenham. Um, you know, Pochettino's done a great job for the last few years, but now I think um, the lack of investment in the squad is really beginning to show. Um, the squad is very tired. He can't rotate as much. He can't blood in or bleed in as much as many new players, I should say. So... I think that this was a sign both that Bayern is getting better. Um, I know they struggled a lot under Niko Kovac last season. They did end up having some domestic success, but it cost them more than it did in previous years under Guardiola or Hainix. So I think going forward, Tottenham, they have to make sure that if they do get rid of Pochettino after this season, which either they're going to sack him or he's going to leave to go to a bigger club, they have to be very careful with how they manage their future 
And Bayern Munich, they can't fall into the same trap that PSG did last year, where they have a big win in the opening stages. They already, they're very confident. They have to stay focused and stay um, doing what they're doing. And now the last game, Barcelona 2-1 against Inter Milan, coming back from a 1-0 deficit. All right, so Barcelona had to depend on Suarez, who came off as a sub, sorry, on as a sub in the second half for Griezmann. Um, this honestly is was a bad sign for Barcelona because they needed two goals from Suarez, who hadn't scored in eight games in the Champions League, none away, to bring it back against Inter Milan, who are a young side, who are perfect in the league, five wins. Don't get me wrong, it looks good on paper, but Barcelona at home used to be a fortress who would win these games four or five one. Um, they win 2-1. Their manager, who is tactically, well, for lack of better terms, clueless, um, you know, lives to see another day, and they're going to be exposed away in the Champions League further in the season. This game, honestly, is more bad for Barcelona than good because it's going to give them the peace of mind and thinking that they're going to win the group. But when they face a top team in the knockout stages, they won't be able to cope. They don't have depth. Griezmann does not fit the system yet. I don't think, I don't think it was the right purchase either. I think Suarez is... He's fading out, but he's still part of that system, and that's why it still works. And Messi's coming back from an injury. They can't depend on him. And their 16-year-old superstar, they can't depend on him either. All right, now let's move into the NBA a little bit. Uh, over the last couple of weeks, LaMelo Ball has been gaining an increased amount of hype around him, more than he already had before. And now even one NBA executive who remained anonymous even said, this guy could go number one in the 2020 draft. Yeah, I, I think, think that's the overall consensus. I think he warrants that hype, if I'm being honest. I do think, um, you know, the Ball family circus has been a big part of his development as a youngster, and it's something that we haven't really been accustomed to so far, at least in this day and age with, um, you know, their whole Facebook show, the Big Baller brand, and all that. But I think that if you look at LaMelo Ball, you're getting a six 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 seven point guard whose body should fill out nicely in theory, or at least not be weak to a point where it's yeah. exploitable. Um, he's long, his defense is lacking, but he's got quick hands to get steals. Great, great vision, and as I said before, his height, he can use that to pass over defenses. He can run, pick, and roll. He can, he's very um, lethal in full court and in transition situations. And if his three-pointer comes around and it becomes consistent, despite um, you know the weird mechanics that he has, I think he's a number one pick. And, and I think just being around LeVar has given the whole family sort of a bad rap um, I think, you know, once we saw, you know, LaMelo, he's growing up at the same time. So now we're seeing him just become a full, well-rounded basketball player. He's making moves that NBA players make. Now, granted, I need I would need to see a little more, but he's killing it in the Australian Basketball League. But I would need to see more before he becomes an official number one. But he's definitely a draft prospect right now. And even you look at uh, Lonzo Ball, he gets out of L.A., he's, getting, he's away from his dad. His shooting form looks, looks totally, better. totally looks different better. from what it was when yeah, he way got drafted. So I think, you know, once you get these guys out of the bright lights, out of all the crap that their dad puts them through, you're really seeing that these guys are high-quality basketball players who are going to make an impact and might headline the NBA for the next 10, 15 years. I agree. Um, you know, I think something that LaMelo's done well here, I'm not sure if he was the one who made this, this decision um, I know he's got new agents representing him now. I know that there's been some issues within the Ball family. But something I did read on ESPN through Draft Express actually was that LaVar has kind of stepped away here in Australia. He's not as involved with the day-to-day -day decisions 
Um, I know that when LaMelo and LiAngelo, his brother, went to Lithuania, LaVar was very closely involved, not just with their development, but with the team as a whole. You know, the big baller brand was sponsoring the team that they were playing in. Um, they had all these invitationals to make money, um, which really ended up hurting their development and kind of turned everything into a media circus where they weren't taking it as seriously as they should. So now that LaMelo's in Australia, which is a very good league, by the way, it's not NBA level, it's not, you know, Spanish league level or oh, Euro yeah, league level, there's but there's it's still... There's definitely some quality, in, quality talent in there. I mean, we saw that even with Andrew Bogut, you know, he was the MVP and he came to the NBA for the playoffs, put in some quality minutes, you know. Um, and at the end of the day, LaMelo Ball is going to be competing against grown men day in, day out, not just in practice, but during real um, game scenarios and situations, which I think is really going to enhance his development. And come next June, I want to say, he should be a top five pick if and everything goes right. And that's sort of a good transition into the last thing we're going to talk about, sort of media day and Mitchell Robinson, especially how, you know, Mitchell Robinson was a guy who didn't go to college. He spent a whole year between high school and the draft just working to get NBA ready instead of college ready. And we see how that paid off for him during his rookie season. And now he's trying to implement the three-pointer into his into his arsenal, which a lot of people say, oh, we don't want our seven-foot-two center or shot blocker shooting threes. But that's the way the NBA is going now. The NBA, everyone's got to shoot a three. It's like baseball. Everyone's got to hit home runs now. Everyone's got to shoot the three in the NBA. And, you know, Robinson doesn't need to shoot like Dirk Nowitzki from there, but he's got to be respectable. That Just like how Ben Simmons doesn't have to be lights up, but he's got to be respectable. And I think, you know, you combine that with, you know, his lob ability, that's, that adds, he adds another foot above where you can score because you can throw lobs to him. I think, you know, he's going to become quickly a very dangerous asset for the New York Knicks. I think Mitchell Robinson, he surpassed everyone's expectations already last season. As you said, if he can add this element to his game where he's not just a vertical spacer anymore, you can throw lobs to him, obviously, and he'll get them and dunk them. But if he can actually become a floor spacer now as well, that takes his game into another dimension. You look at the Knicks roster construction this year, and I expect that the paint is going to be pretty packed a lot of the time. So Mitchell Robinson isn't just going to be able to, you know, hang out in the dunker spot anymore or around the baseline and wait for Dennis Smith Jr., or whoever the Knicks' point guard will end up being and, by the end of the season. And, I mean, that opens up the floor more for, for Dennis Smith Jr. It should as well, It opens yeah. up the floor more for Peyton, who's a good driver. He's not much of a shooter. And now you can say, all right, you can roll, or you can do a little pick and pop. It gives you more options. Same thing for Julius Randle. He's a guy you can run the pick and roll with as him with being a ball handler. I agree. So, you know, I think a lot of people think this Knicks team is going to be really bad. And, I, again, I'm not saying they're going to win an NBA championship this year, but I think they're a lot better than the 27 wins they're projected to get. I think they can, you know, make a run at an 8 seed, at a 7 seed, because this isn't a team where you have a bunch of veterans where you know who these guys are. These are a bunch of young guys who still have don't even know what their ceiling is yet. So you get Dennis Smith to hit a ceiling, Mitchell Robinson, Kevin Knox, you know, Neil Aquina shows he can do something on offense. You All of a sudden you have all these guys like, and I even mentioned R.J. Barrett. And then all of a sudden you have all these guys who are talented young basketball players. And now you just got to select which ones you keep and which ones you get rid of. Something that came to mind, you talked about Julius Randle being the ball handler. But as I look at the Knicks roster and think about it, they have so many ball handlers that can be used in pick and roll situations. Yep. R.J. Barrett, Dennis Smith Jr., Kevin Knox even. You know, they're, they've got they're so big. many. They're very big. They're very long, which is a lot. It's which is what a lot of people say about the Philadelphia 76ers. 
And obviously the Sixers are further along in their development as a team, as a unit, and as individuals than the Knicks. But I do think there's some potential to, um, I guess, emulate the Sixers in a couple years if everything goes right. So the Knicks, I think they're going to be a decent team. Um, a lot of it depends on how they start the season off. If they start off on the right note, then I do think they can make a run at the eighth seed. If things peter out, um, there might be a few, you know, attractive um, buyout options yeah. towards the playoffs. And I think they've got a good backup plan because so, you have signed a lot of veterans that to very light contracts, so you can trade them if you need to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they're going to definitely help with the growth because you got the right coach in place in Fisdale, and you've got all these veterans, the Taj Gibsons, the Wayne Ellingtons, guys like that coming in who have been around the league. They know what winning is all about in the league, and they can really instill their footprint in what the future of the New York Knicks is going to be. Yeah, my only pro- sorry, my only problem with the Knicks is that, like, who is the leader on that team? I mean, you have a bunch of veterans, you have a bunch of young guys, and I think they'll be a great team in a few years. But, like, who do you guys think is the leader I think of the that le- team? I think the leader for me has to be Fisdale. I think he's got to be the leader. He's the young players love him, and if you're looking for a guy on the floor, I think it's Taj Gibson. I think it's yep. uh, Marcus Morris. Uh, those guys, and, and this is one of those teams where everyone seems like tight knit. It's like already a family. Like these guys are working out together. Mitchell Robinson, Taj Gibson are working out together. I think they're all close. It's tight knit. They all want to play in New York. That's and that's what one of the key things about it. they want to play in New York. They want to embrace what Madison Square Garden is all about. And you see that. A bad team, they fill up that stadium, seventeen the arena, seventeen wins, and th- that stadium is still packed the end, at mm-hmm. the end of the season. So imagine what the atmosphere is going to be like, you know, come opening night. That's going to be a great atmosphere. But then this team is exciting. You got Dennis Smith dunking on people. You got Mitchell Robinson hitting threes, dunking on people, blocking shots. They will want to see the young bull R.J. Barrett. You know, they've got so many. They, they they have reasons to come out and watch this team. It's not like how it was a couple years ago, where it's just like a bunch of you know veterans that were never that are fringe basket NBA players coming out of nowhere and just watching this every night. You got young, talented, fresh, great young players in the Garden. And I think it's going to be very exciting to watch them, despite what their record may or may not be in the season. Now, one question: Fifteen seconds left in the game. The Knicks are down one. Very important game. Who's taking the last shot? Uh, well, I, this is sort of the cop-out answer, but it's really what I think it is. It's a hot hand, and I think it's going to either be one of these three guys. It's going to be Alonzo Trier. It's going to be R.J. Barrett at some point. R.J. Barrett's going to have a, one of those nights, and he's going to have to be that guy one of these nights. Uh, Kevin Knox or Dennis Smith Jr., one of those four guys. Um, and I think... I, I project, I think that R.J. Barrett's going to have a rookie of the year type season. I think it's going to be R.J. Barrett towards the end of the season. During the first few mo- couple months, you're going to see pretty much the hot hand take it. But when you get later, some guy, someone's going to emerge. And it could be Smith, who I think is going to ha- be great this season. It could be Barrett, who's going to be the future of this franchise. But I think you're going to slowly see that it's going to become Smith and Barrett as the two guys. Because Trier, too, the guy's a guy can score on anybody. Yeah, I think... Trier, I think he can take the last shot on some Lou Williams type action. Um, Dennis Smith Jr., he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, which is the way he likes it. So I would expect him to take the last shot at some point. Even if it's not the best shot, I think he's going to take it either way. It's, it's, it's going to be it's going to be exciting. And I think, you know, they may not win 
more than 35 games this year. Um, but they're going to give Knicks fans reasons to be excited for the future. They're not maxing out on veterans. They have all that money in place if they want to go get, say, Giannis when he's a free agent. So, you know, trust the process here. I don't, don't mean to sound too cliche like the 76ers, but you have to trust what these guys are doing. They're not making the same mistakes that the past regimes in New York have made. All right, and that will do it for this week's edition of the Full Court Press. It is our first one of this semester. We hope to bring you many more on a weekly basis. Also, be on the lookout for the first edition of the Press Magazine coming out. Uh, Wilco, you think about it in the next week, a couple weeks or so? Yes. So we, uh, <laughs> we should be good to go for that. But again, for everyone here at the Full Court Press, thank you guys for listening, and we hope to see you guys again next week.